Finding your way to a balanced way of living is the key to health and happiness. Each week on Choosing the Balanced Life with Diabetes, you'll hear tips and tools for a happier and healthier life. Here's your host, Anita Westlake. So in today's podcast, I'd like to talk about balancing food and exercise, which is such a difficult thing for so many people. When you're starting first with exercise and trying to lose weight, it can be very confusing and difficult on what you're eating and how this affects your exercise. It's easy to say, well, I'm exercising now and everything should just fall into place with weight loss, but that's not necessarily the case. A big element is what you're eating. And I'm always looking for tools to help you know, people have success with all of this and have come across something that looks to be very useful. And it's a book called The Calories In and The Calorie Out Cookbook. And I'm fortunate enough to have both authors here with me today, a dietitian and nutritionist I will first have on to talk about that part of the book. And then at the end of the podcast, I'll have the other co-author who has actually developed the recipes and is the chef and from what I understand, wanted really wanted to get this book out there to help people. So my first guest is Elaine uh, Torhino. And Elaine, again, is a dietitian and a nutritionist. Welcome, Elaine. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited about talking about your book. I love talking about my book. I love talking about nutrition. That is my passion. And so I... I, I am grateful that you reached out. Well, when I saw this, it just um, really touched on a lot of areas that I see people having difficulty, and it really was versatile, and that's another thing that struck me in the way that, you know, it's one thing to have a recipe, but you've really broken down the recipe recipes and their value when it comes to food in um, several different ways, which I think is really important. When it comes to carb counting, because people carb count, um, especially in the case of a diabetic, not all of us carb count, but a great number do, and it's becoming more and more popular. And even when you're not a diabetic, people are going to uh, are looking to carb count to lose weight or just get a perspective on how many carbs they're actually taking in at any one meal or during the course of a day. Never mind, you're putting in nutritional facts. Um, which again is helpful for anyone, whether they want to lower their salt or be mindful of actually what they're putting in their mouths. Absolutely. Yes, I think all of those components are important. And, and like you say, they're tools for people. So, so the book is not just recipes. It, it is, it's a book that you can keep on your kitchen counter and use to guide you through, through your eating plan. Um, it, we try to make it as as all-inclusive all inclusive as possible. So we wanted to include the calories in, okay, because we want to encourage calorie awareness. The calories out, and what that means is how many minutes it would take a man or a woman to jog or, or walk, a brisk walk, those calories off. And, and that's not to say that we need to burn off all our calories, but if we are thinking in terms of how many calories our body needs, there are times when we know we're going over. So um, by showing the, the minutes of activity needed to burn off calories, I 
think it gives people perspective. Okay, um, you know, if I'm if I'm going to eat this or eat a little more, then you know maybe I'm going to need to go for a walk after dinner. Um, so so that's included. We also included all the nutrient information, like you said, the um, in addition to calories, the grams of protein, fat, carbohydrate, sodium, the carbohydrate choices, diabetic exchange values. Um, we also have made the book so that it's easy to use. So the chapters are color-coded, and they're color-coded by calorie levels. So you've got a, a chapter that's from 0 to 200 calories. You've got one from 2 to 300, and then 3 to 400 calories. So it makes it easy for people who are looking for something light, okay, I'm going to stick to something in the 200 value chapter. Um, so you can peruse through that, and like I said, it's color-coded. So um, just to interrupt you for a minute, so it's color-coded, and you've got calories involved with the color, with with this color-coding. So let's say you want to, you're having dinner, and you think, okay, all right, you know, I've talked to a dietitian such as yourself, and uh, or a nutritionist, or I'm on some, you know, um, diet that the doctor's giving me, and they've told me during the course of a day I shouldn't exceed 1,500 calories. So you could really put a meal together, a 500-calorie dinner, by just looking at these margins. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's what our whole intention was, and, and all the meals are under 400 calories. Um, Meaning uh, an entire meal? Uh, so, right. you, you know, that's, in other words, you wouldn't have to just pick and choose. I guess you could if you wanted to, but you'd say, here's a dinner suggestion, um, an entire dinner meal that you can make. And when you're finished it, you've, you've taken in 400 calories. Exactly. So, so no, none of the recipes go over 400 calories. And then there's calorie combos with each recipe. So let's say you're, you're making, um, uh, Spanish-style seafood salad, and you want something with it. And so there's some calorie combinations suggested on the side and their calorie values. So you know, okay, well, this particular dish has 268 calories, and then if I add a whole wheat roll to that, that's an ad additional 76. So it's so simple. You can see what your, your total meal value would be. Which is fantastic because it brings awareness. And I think that's what is really difficult that we are, we're not aware we become very used to doing certain things in the way of eating and we're we're not aware a lot of times on what we're actually eating and how much and what kinds of foods that we're picking right well, so that, it's oh, very very okay. common it's like the diet cookie i have so many people that eat the diet cookie that i call this is what i call the diet cookie it's when they take a cookie and say, I'm not going to eat the whole thing. I really want this cookie, but I'm going to be really good. And they break it up into several different pieces. Not only do they end up consuming all those pieces, but they've taken several other cookies and broken them up and eaten them all anyway. So they've eaten three cookies instead of one. And they've, in their minds, they haven't really consumed those calories or eat, eaten that amount of sugar because they've broken it up. So they're, you know, they're not, they're, they're detached from what they're doing and they kid right. themselves where your book seems to really help people get focused on, okay, if you want to add something to your meal, instead of piecing it off here, you're going to add that to your meal, but understand this is the calorie. This is what it adds. This is what your total meal encompasses. 
Well, exactly. And we, we don't want people to be obsessed by calories, but we want them to be calorie aware. So what that means, if you know how many calories you need, um, it's, it's empowering. You have a number. Let's say it's 1,500 calories. And let's say you want to eat those cookies. Just be aware of how many calories there are in the cookies, and, and you can include that in your 1,500 calories and feel comfortable that you still have, you know, many calories left. It's, it's just about um, being empowered being aware, not not obsessing. I mean, I, I do think it's a good idea to, until you get a handle uh, on how many calories you need and how many you, you typically eat, it's a good idea to track your calories to either using a journal or using an app. There's lots of calorie tracking apps out there right now that are great. And um, even just doing it two to three times a week initially just to get an idea of, of what you're doing, how many calories you're taking in, and how many calories your your body needs, it really is. Um, it's it can really help you recognize some patterns in your diet, some things that you're doing really well with, um, maybe some other patterns that you realize. Oh, maybe I'm not eating because I was hungry. Maybe I was eating because of comfort or stress or, or whatever it would may be. But it, it, it just makes us more aware. And, and generally, people who do tracking do better at weight loss. So that's a good reason right there. Well, I, yeah, tracking and, again, something that keeps coming home to me is awareness. Just yes. being aware um, of what we're, we're actually doing and, and the relationship between, you know, um, food and exercise and that balance and helping us. Be aware that, you know, we may be overeating. We don't, as you said, you know, you can sit down um, at any one meal. And if you know what you're taking in, it's knowledge. It's empowering. And especially in when you want to start to lose weight or maybe just get in tune with exercise and what you're consuming when it comes to food. If you want to have that all kind of, you know, working and having a little more success with it, this is a great start. Yes, and I, I think sometimes people are fearful to know their calories. And I impress upon them that um, just like you get on the scale, sometimes we don't want to do that. But that actually is, is a good tool to, to keep us aware of our weight and, and the trend. Um, and the same thing with our calorie numbers. We should know our numbers, and we shouldn't be afraid of them. And there's so many easy ways to determine your calorie needs. So in the beginning of the book, we explain calories and how to calculate your calories, simple formulas. There's also online tools to determine your calories. So it's a really easy thing to do. And once you know that number, like I said, it's empowering. And, and also keep in mind that I think, you know, the, the obesity epidemic is making public health awareness of calories, you know, an essential component here in the United States. FDA is passing a ruling to ensure that chain restaurants post calorie information. So I think we're going to see more and more of this. And, and it's very important. Yeah, because it does, it makes you think twice. Am I hungry? Do I want that? Do, how many calories is it? How many calories can I afford today? Um, how, much, how much exercise am I going to be getting today? Will I be able to burn it off? So it just helps keep things in perspective. Well, I like the fact that people can 
govern this themselves. In other words, you're giving them the tools, but they can put together their own meal or follow a said meal in it with suggestions on exercising, the calories they're taking in. Really, it's a tool to help them kind of do their own thing with it. It's not like have two eggs this morning, day one, two eggs, you know, half a cup of spinach, breakfast, uh, lunch has to be this. You're kind of letting them, here's the information you need, empower yourself, and it's a great start to get going with several different options. Exactly, because we all don't eat the same. We all have different tastes. And, and many times as a dietitian nutritionist, I get asked, oh, can you make me a meal plan? And the short answer is not really, because what I eat is going to be different than what you eat. So you need to create your meal plan, and here are the tools. I think that's fantastic. Um, I always go back to this, but when I was first diagnosed um, as a child, that's actually how they taught us. They actually had, it was um, the old way where we had a vegetable A, vegetable B, a protein, um, milk and cheese were under one, another, cali- uh, another, sorry, exchange. It was an old way of food exchange for diabetes. It's, it's much easier to follow now. But those foundations to get us started and even understanding as we got a little bit older that, you know, the size of your fist could be a protein and that was advisable or weighing things. And it didn't, you, you did it for a short period of time. And every once in a while, I will actually go back to that if I feel I need to, just to get a reality check on, on what I'm eating. Um, but it's, again, it's a reality check. And these tools are very useful. And having it down in a book with choices and suggestions and pairing it with exercise, I just think is incredibly empowering. Absolutely. I mean, and, and not all food, you know, when we talk about calories, people often say, well, you know, calorie is not a calorie. And, and it's not, I agree. Because, yeah, in the day, you know, let's say you're, you're going back to that 1,500 calories and you want those cookies. Well, yeah, the cookies are going to give you a few hundred calories. But how satisfying are they? Are they going to fill you up so you're, you're not hungry? Probably not. They're very calorie-rich, um, as opposed to foods that are nutrient-rich, nutrient-dense, things like fruits and vegetables and whole grains and nuts and legumes. If you have the equivalent amount of, of let's say, nuts versus the cookies, you're just going to feel so much fuller, and it's going to um, give you more fuel, for several hours versus having the cookies. So I always bring it back to, yep, we're talking calories, we're talking numbers, but we're also talking the quality of the calories. It's important. Oh, it's extremely important. And you talk about that in the book? I, I just don't have a copy right at hand, but is that mentioned, you talk about yeah. the source of food and how important that is? It absolutely is. Um, it's mentioned throughout the book. Um, our recipes are whole food based. We don't use diet foods because we um, believe that you, you start from the whole food, um, try and get people cooking as much as possible, eating at home as much as possible. You're encouraging people to eat at home more, which is such a wise choice. And, I, and again, being, you know, making your meal, having family time even. Right? I mean, and just knowing what you're putting in your mouth. Absolutely. And I think um, when you create a meal, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have found 
with many people that, you know, I coach, I've spoken with. Now, once they start creating a meal and, you know, you balance these things with exercise, it does cut down on the grazing, the mindless grazing that can happen. Well, that's, that's a big part of it, the mindfulness. And um, I agree, people do graze throughout the day and they're not really counting it as eating. Um, for some people, that grazing works well and they end up eating less at mealtime. For others, it, it doesn't. They eat their same meals and then their grazing throughout the day is additional calories. So, it re- you know, people really have to figure out what works best for them. And it is very different um, for for people. Some, like, as you said, I, I know people graze and they're okay with it. But those that are not okay with it, this really helps. And even those that are okay with it and eat less during a meal, it doesn't mean that they really, um, they're engaged between the food they're taking in and the exercise. And they still might be struggling with weight issues. Absolutely. You know, it's just a different style. And it, of course... Different things work for different people. But I like this because it really brings it home whether you're a grazer that has to stop grazing or one that grazes who hasn't got an issue with it. Because you hear this all the time. Well, you know, I don't really, I graze and that's just the way I eat. And they they just, but they don't know how to work with it. They don't realize how many calories overall. And this, no matter what, is a great tool because again, you're bringing the mindfulness and awareness of the calories in calories out so it's just a great place to start yeah i i um i think so i i know it's not very complicated um you know this is not rocket science but like i said i think it's a tool and and what we're trying to do is is help people because a lot of people know um they know how to diet they've dieted maybe for many years or all their life and they know how to lose weight, but how many people keep it off? That, that's the harder part. And so we're really not encouraging a special diet. We're encouraging a lifestyle, eating healthy. Um, that's what the book is about. And, and I, if you notice, if when you look through it, we've included desserts. We've included cocktails. People... Oh, there's a big one. They drink cocktails. You know, that's part of life, so we should be aware of it, and we should count the calories that is a big one i think cocktails um i think that's a big one or even special drinks they don't have to have alcohol but of course the ones that do i mean you could have it virgin style whatever your choice is but people lose track of that and i don't think there's that awareness of the calories they could be taking in yeah you know it's a slippery slope with those sugared beverages because you don't necessarily feel full from them. So um, even just like a glass of juice, your body, when, when you're drinking the juice, it doesn't, uh, it's harder to regulate the calories from sugary beverages. So you do have to watch out for those and be aware, be aware of that. So what I do, if I, I know I'm going to have a cocktail, I'm going to skip dessert. So I, you know, you, you have to, it's a balance, getting back to that balanced approach. So some of these cocktails, can you give me an example? Just, I, I'm very curious on the calorie count on some, uh, I'm not a big cocktail um, drinker, as in obviously I, I'm a diabetic, so I just don't drink things like uh, Long Island iced teas or anything like that. It's just a lot of calories. I First of all, I'm calling it calories, but let's say sugar that I just don't need. Um, yeah, they, 
They certainly can add up. Um, so, for instance, a popular cocktail would be a margarita. That clocks in at 200 and something calories. Is that so, just an average size, not a mammoth, but an average size margarita? Exactly. Um, let's see. If I Probably about four or five ounces. Um, a daiquiri would be closer to 300 calories. Um, now, beer and wine are a bit less, so a bottle of beer, 12 ounces, is about 150 calories. That's the same as a 12-ounce soda. Um, and a glass of wine is about 125 to 130 calories for 5 ounces. So, you know, if you have a glass, 130 calories, but if you have two or three, you know, it starts to add up. And it does, and some people... Um will have wine with dinner every night, maybe a few glasses. And there's some calories that are, are added into their diet that they were not aware of. Right. Although, in a case of some with diabetes, in some cases, if you take wine, you hear different things, but it won't necessarily raise their blood sugars. But if they're trying to keep their weight under control, it's not helping. Exactly. So, you know, it's something to think about because it may not... You may not be aware. In other words, with wine, think about it because you're thinking, well, wine, that's how much weight could that be putting on it? You hear about alcohol, but really, come on. And you hear that quite often, actually, or I do. And so to bring it home and have it there, well, you know what? Yeah, you can have it. But remember, it's about 125 to 300 calories, probably at the lower end. And I would think the very low end would be at least 100. Right. Yeah, no, and I think what a lot of people... Um, who are in tune to calories, if they know that they're going out and they know they're going to have a cocktail or two with dinner or, or wine, they'll, you know, they'll make it a point to work out that day to compensate for those extra calories. And, and that, that's a good approach. That might not be a bad thing, you know, as long as you're not chasing your food with exercise. I think that can be an issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if every day you want to eat all kinds of sweets, and that's your whole motivation to work out on a daily basis. I, I think that becomes exhausting. I think people burn out from that. Right, exactly. And I, that's not long-term success. Exactly. Um, you know, long-term success is getting physical activity in most days of the week, five days a week, just a half an hour. That's, that's ideal. And I think, you know, most people can fit in a half hour a day. Well, some sort, whether you have a half-hour day and maybe short little um, little things you could even do at your desk just to get your body moving. Absolutely. You know, how many people sit for eight hours minimum a day? And right. then they might go and run for an hour. Uh, good for you. That's wonderful. Like, thank goodness you're doing something, right? But you've sat for eight hours. Maybe, you know, you want to take a break and move around a little bit. And, you know, there's little bits of exercise that we can get in and we're not even realizing it's exercise by getting up, not being stationary for for long, long periods of time. It's true, and actually, that's um, that topic, that sedentary behavior, and then just bursts of movement. That's being studied, um, and it's looking favorable. That you know, uh, that getting you know, if you are sedentary, if you just get up and move around um, every once in a while, that can break that that downward sedentary cycle that's that looks like it's not good for your health 
Well, these little these little spurts are just so important, and it gets you moving. I, I can't imagine. You know, I'm fortunate enough that um, I shouldn't say fortunate enough. I have made it where that doesn't happen with me. I don't sit somewhere for eight hours. Um, I maybe I have ants in my pants too. I just I I can't do that. So I have to get up and move or stretch or do something. I can imagine you must even if it's a few hours at a time, you get up and you just you would feel so stiff. And I tell people, you know, um, especially the people who don't like to drink too much water, drink a lot of water because you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you have to get up and go to the bathroom a lot, and that's movement. So. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even when um, uh, I go out on the you know weekend, weekdays, what have you, um, I try to, if I'm going to have a few drinks or you know a meal with a friend, I try to incorporate dancing with that. Because even for myself, it's not that I don't enjoy sitting down and having these conversations, whatever, but you want to get up and move. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's offering you a chair. Oh, go ahead, sit down, sit down. Well, no, I'm okay. I, you know, I'm going to stand, I'll sit, I'll stand, I'll move around a little bit, depending on the type of evening. But I've just gotten myself into a routine of doing that. And I think it is important keep the body moving. Yeah, and I think at the workplace, people are realizing that. You see a lot of people at meetings, they're comfortable just standing up and walking around. Um, and they're, you know, also in the workplace, they, they have these um, computers that uh, you can stand up and, and work at or, or the computer attached to the treadmill. So people are being more aware of it, which is, which is a good thing. Now, I haven't heard of that. A computer attached to a treadmill. I think that's awesome. Meaning, yes. you know, at the gym, of course, you could, you know, there's different, you can watch TV and do different things with your iPods or whatever. But these are actual computers where they can type, do some work while they're walking? Exactly. And you can't, um, they're programmed so that they could only go to a very slow speed. That way you don't have an accident. Liability. <laughs> so, uh, but they're great, especially if you're doing something on the computer where, um, you don't need to do a whole lot of typing, and it's a lot of reading. It's it's perfect, and you can send emails. It's it's a great way to work. Well, they're not losing time if that's what they're worried about, because we're all so busy, and there's a lot of uh, rush and pressure and deadlines and things that we have to get accomplished in the course of a day. And at l- least this way, you have the option of moving around. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. keeping your health Bring up. Bring your sneakers to the to to the to your work site and get on the treadmill for an hour see i think that is fantastic i i haven't heard of that but i hope more and more uh, companies are making this available for their employees it being so very important mm-hmm. or even having these little breaks we you know when you go to a ball game or um, you basketball and you have those in between stretches while they of course you know clean the court or, or you know do something on the field but it really is important you know, you've sat there and you could be at a game for quite some time. So to get up and move and stretch and the, people look at it as fun, but we should be doing this all the time, even in the workplace. That's what kids do. They don't stop moving. We should uh, follow their lead, move around with the kids. Yeah, they get recess. There's a reason why. <laughs> yes. Important breaks with exercise. So in the book... Do you talk now? Here's the other part of it. You talk about exercise and what's useful. How do you kind of marry the two to equal success um, between you know calories in? Now we're talking about calories out. 
Well, like I said, it's a balance. So um, once you understand how your your metabolism works and, and your calories, how you burn calories, activity, exercise is one component of that. I mean, we burn a whole bunch of calories, about 70%, just from our um, – just from our, our, it's called our, our basal metabolism, just the effort of living, breathing. Um, and then you burn some calories just from digesting and metabolizing food. And then the other component is the activity. So that can really make a change. You know, if you're sedentary versus you're active, you know, that can change your, your calorie output by quite a bit. So I, I think, you know, we, we try and put that in very simple terms in the introduction so people understand the value of, of getting active in your life. And, and it doesn't mean that you need to join a gym or run a marathon. It just means movement, um, any movement. But especially in weight loss, don't you think it's because it has to be added to movement. So many people forget that. They think, oh, I'm a busy person. I'm always on the run. I'm always moving. You know, um, I don't understand why I'm gaining this weight, but they're forgetting about the food. But even though they might cut back a little bit on the food or, or try to start getting that, you know, regulated in a better way, even if you're running around, you're busy all the time, that added bit of activity can make quite a difference. Absolutely. I mean, ideally, you want to get your heart rate up. You want to have a, an aerobic workout. Um, you know, like I said, 30 minutes a day, but for some people that may not work out. If you can get in at least bouts of 10 minutes and try and get your, your heart rate up, that's great too. And that just may mean, you know, as we talked about at work, you may just like, hey, I'm going to go climb the stairs for 10 minutes. Um, that'll really get your heart rate up. So, you know, it's important to, to keep it in balance, but you're right, the food is very important in terms of weight weight gain and calorie balance. I think maybe a little bit, you know, the, in terms of people who are trying to lose weight, um, the, the exercise is important, but the food is probably more important. Do you have a ratio that, um, you know, you gear things on maybe, I don't know, is it like 70% food? 30% exercise when it comes to weight loss. I'm talking about strictly at this moment, success when it comes to weight loss. Well, you know, everyone's different. And um, some people, when they exercise, they can lose weight. I know people who just keep their diet the same. They start exercising and the pounds drop. Other people, they start exercising, keeping the same diet, and they'll gain weight. So it, it's really an individual thing, and it also is, it differs on appetite. Some people will work out and just really gorge afterwards, um, and other people do not want to eat. So it's, it's a very individual thing, and it's, people have to figure out how it works for them. It's funny that you said that because I'm one of those people that I'm not hungry after a workout as much. Now, at the beginning... You know, if I was starting something new and I'm adding something to my regular exercise routine, then I might get a little bit hungry, a little bit more hungry. But once I become used to that, it, it actually suppresses my appetite. But that's I guess, ideal. you know, people don't believe that, but it, that's how it affects me. Mm -hmm. And then, as you said, there's others that they get really hungry after they've exercised. So at least your book is versatile where it, it can address anyone. 
Yes, and, and we're all different. We have different metabolisms, and we need to keep that in mind. There's not, you know, one shoe does not fit all. We, we have to um, personalize things, and that's what the book strives to do. Well, I think this is wonderful because it's a real struggle, and this is a, seems to be a, a great tool. I hear this so often about, you know, the relationship between food and exercise and how frustrating it can be when people want to lose weight, they want to start something, and they're just not getting it. They're, they're not getting what they're taking in, what they're putting out. It's not jiving, and they're not having success, and they give up. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, I, I think food should be enjoyed. I don't think food should be evil, um, and... I think it's, it's, like I said many times, it's about balance. And I don't think food should make people feel bad. And unfortunately, I think it does when people are trying to lose weight. And um, I, I would like that people learn to eat well, eat healthy, enjoy the food. I mean, food is wonderful. Um, Catherine has created amazing recipes that are flavor, flavorful, tasty, and Sometimes when you're eating something that's so delicious and you are mindful of what you're eating and savoring the taste, you end up eating less. And that's important too. Well, a new appreciation for something that tastes delicious and yet it's good for you. Mm -hmm. It has, you know, um, nutritional value rather than just empty calories full of sugar and fat. And right. Catherine, just to add in there, Catherine Jones is the co-author, and she's a chef. When it comes to calorie in, calorie out, she's the recipe developer, from what I understand. And she'll be on next. Yeah, she's done a, a fabulous job. There's over 200 recipes. And, um, you know, I think that talking about that flavor, I think sometimes what happens is we eat out a lot. People are eating out a lot. And children are getting exposed to a lot of food outside the home that tends to be sweeter and saltier. And then when they start eating back at home, they're like, hey, this doesn't taste as good. And You hear that, that a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we need to change that around so that people are eating more at home and occasionally they're eating out. So then when they're eating out, they're like, oh, this is really sweet and this is really salty. So it's changing that perception. Well, absolutely. And this book, the whole family can use it. So maybe, you know, children, be, you can help your children be more aware or guide them by the parent being more aware. They can guide their children in this area. Yeah. Understanding is, you know, wow, I've just fed my child or presented at any one meal this many calories. And yet here we are playing video games or TV or watching too much TV rather than, okay, guys, let's get moving. Let's uh, get something organized before dinner, after dinner, you know, on the weekends and really getting the whole family involved in this. Absolutely. And getting kids involved in the kitchen. I mean, it's fun for them. They enjoy it. They enjoy playing with food. Um, you know, it sometimes is more work for the parent to, to coach them through it, whatever they're, they're doing, the prep work. But, it does get them more intrigued with the food and it opens up their palate and they're more willing to try things that they've been involved in in cooking and prepping than if they weren't. 
Well, it gives them something to go by rather than the unknown presented to them at the table. Mm-hmm. In a previous podcast, we actually, we talk about that. It's not about the broccoli and about children, you know, just developing that um, knowledge, you know, that this is broccoli, what it tastes like, but beyond tasting, touching, washing it, um, it's an unknown. They look at it and it's to them, it could be just little trees and that could be very yucky and they, they don't want any part of it. But being part of prepping a meal and, you know, getting involved and touching the food and giving them that um, information in order for them to want to try it. Yes, absolutely. They're sponges, so they take all that in. And, this... and then they surprise you and they, they repeat it. And then you're so happy. Well, I mean, this is great. Really, I, I really like the idea of your book. Now, I have to ask you something that I'm always very curious. So you're a dietitian and a nutritionist. Yes. What are the difference between the two? So when would a person see a dietitian versus a nutritionist? And I'm not saying that you. Sh- I think a nutritionist is always a wise choice no matter what. I've seen both. I've seen a dietitian and a nutritionist. Um, but just to explain to people, because I think there's a little confusion around that. Right. So all registered dietitians are nutritionists. Um, but to be a registered dietitian, you have to go through accredited courses, generally do a dietetic internship, and then take a registration exam. So the internship usually includes uh, experiences within hospitals or community settings. So it gives you the exposure to health and disease. Um, There's other options to becoming a nutritionist. Um, There's a certification course. So let's say you're a um, a PhD in nutrition. Um, You can take a test and become a certified nutritionist. Um, so, and then there's other, pretty much people can call themselves nutritionists, but you have to look at their background and see what kind of education they had. So if somebody does want to seek out some guidance, the best bet is a registered dietitian, which is also called a registered dietitian nutritionist. It was in the past called an RD and now it's an RDN. So that nutritionist has been added to the end to hopefully lessen that confusion so people realize that dietitians are nutritionists. Okay, because it is confusing. Um, and, you know, it can be confusing on do I really need a dietitian versus a nutritionist. But I guess the dietitian part of it is to deal with health concerns. Well, you can be comfortable if you're going to see, if you if you want to see a nutritionist, if you go to an RD, you know that they're, they have an education background that's um, held to accreditation at a national level. If you go to a nutritionist that doesn't have an RD, you're not really sure what you're getting. So it's important to, to be comfortable with the education of the person you're going to. Just like if you're going to see a doctor, you want to make sure, that, make sure you're a medical doctor. All right, that's some good uh, good tips. I didn't realize that the dietitian. Well, I, I kind of knew it was part and parcel, but I really didn't assume, and that's the word I hate to use, but that a dietitian was automatically a nutritionist. So yes, that was a good that that's a good piece. And now they're actually going under 
RDN, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Exactly. Hopefully that will lessen the confusion. Because it can be very confusing. Yes. That was some wonderful uh, tips, and I'm so glad that uh, both you and Catherine are on the show today. So we're going to switch over to Catherine, who is going to give us um, some tips on cooking and um, storing food and talking a little bit more about the recipes. So I'm going to sign off with Elaine. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, Elaine. Thank you, Anita. So Catherine is joining us now, Catherine Jones, who is the chef and mastermind behind this wonderful cookbook, Calories In, Calories Out. Hi, Catherine. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited and glad that you're here to join us and talk about food and some of these fabulous recipes that you've created in this book. There's like over 200. Yep, there are 200 of my favorites. Believe it or not, I have many, but I had to narrow it down to about 200 that I made as healthy as possible by cutting as many calories that I could without sacrificing any flavor. Thank goodness you didn't sacrifice the flavor. I think that's always the biggest complaint and fear that when something's a little healthier or healthy, that it's going to be cardboard or have no flavor or just be boring. And from what I understand, boring is not in the equation here because you've traveled quite extensively and you've brought inspirations from all over the world. I sure have. Yeah, I've been on the road all my life. I was born in India, so I have a real love for Indian food, which, as we all know, is filled with spice. And the wonderful thing about spices is that they literally are a calorie-free food. So I believe in using flavors like Indian spices, Mexican spices, um, Chinese spices, plus the whole array of fresh herbs out there, which add this tremendous boost of flavor with no calories. And the result is a dish that um, pleases everyone. And and uh, my personal belief is that if you are enjoying something tasty, you tend to eat less of it because you're satisfied. See, and I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Now, I have to ask you and backtrack a little bit. I understand that this book was your idea. It was. It was actually... To be honest, how did it come about? Yeah, it was inspired by my younger brother Mark, who lives in LA, and he's a real sort of health buff, and uh, he loves it when I go and visit him because he always asks me to cook dinner, which I I gladly do, even though I'm on vacation. Um, and he looked <laughs> at me and he just said, "Can't you come up with a, a cookbook that has really healthy and delicious foods in it that won't make me fat and that will tell me how much I need to burn off in the gym?" And it was like an epiphany for me. I thought, I need that book. And millions of other people out there need that book. So true, Um, so true. Yeah, this light bulb went off, and it took me three years to sort of compose it in my head and write it. And, um, you know, collecting 200 recipes from my favorites, from friends, from, um, you know, just my travels, it's a lot of work to, um, to collect them, to test them. And I'm a staunch believer in, the, in, in farming out recipes to home cooks to be tested. So I had 20 home cooks, just like, you know, your audience out there, with families, um, some singles, um, some couples, testing these recipes. So I know they work, and that's the wonderful thing. It's, it's my go-to cookbook because when I 
when I make something from it, like the banana bread, which I make very frequently for my son, or the orange chiffon cake, which I'm making for dessert tonight, I, I just know it's going to work. And there's so no second great. guessing. And then they don't have to be difficult. I'll actually be um, making a few of these and we're going to film some. Just oh, to great. show the ease because, you know, um, I think that intimidates people that if it's delicious, um, it's low in calories, it's got to be difficult. Well, I think you're, I think you've brought up an excellent point here because um, many people are intimidated by the kitchen and by cooking. And um, I, I, I know it, it can be overwhelming if, if all you can do is make pasta. Um, and it's sort of um, the message here really is to invest in yourself. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is through cooking and eating at home as often as possible. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a social life and go out, but I'm just saying if you really want to control what goes in your food and in your mouth, you, you have to cook at home and eat, eat at home as much as possible and make smart choices, obviously, at the grocery store. Um, but I, I know that it's hard to pull it all together at the end of the day in our stressed out lives. And so I've tried to make the recipes in this book as practical and user friendly as possible. So they're all designed to feed families and not just the dieter. Let's say you want, you want to cut back on uh, 500 calories or 300 calories or 200 calories a day, but you have teenagers who aren't going to go for that. So this book caters to both, and I have two teens, and that's why I I designed it this way because it's real life. We're real people. Right. <laughs> We're and eating real food. <laughs> and, and that is it. It is you're eating real food. It's life, and it's really about the whole family engaging that, in that. And down to the cooking, my favorite thing, oh, my favorite thing to do is when I'm cooking and I have some company in the kitchen. Yeah. That helps that's a me. That's great feeling, can, yeah. Oh, we can chat and I can create yeah. and that's my opportunity to create something. But there's the creative part of it. I don't need to have it difficult and um, complicated. I just want to have fun with it and know it's going to be something that we're going to enjoy and you can, you know, somebody can set the table or chop something and you can sit down and have a conversation and enjoy what you're eating. And all that can happen when you take that intimidation out of cooking. Right. And I, I, go, I go one step further here, too, because I'm a trained chef and I've worked in um, restaurants. I've done catering. I've, I, um, you know, I entertain a lot for my husband. So I really understand both uh, professional cooking, home cooking, and entertaining. And there are three very different things, uh, but they do overlap because you're in the kitchen cooking. Um, with this book, I've tried to, you know, give tips on, on freezing things, on advanced preparation and things like that. And I also have 50 how-to tips. So, oh. for instance, if, if you're unfamiliar with leeks, I'll tell you how to wash them so they're not sandy when they're in your soup or in your, I have a spinach, um, a cream spinach with leek, which I love. But the worst thing is biting into sand. Um, I'll turn you right off leaks, I'll tell you oh, that. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then many people always ask, how do I clean mushrooms? Do you, do you soak them in water? I hear that you're just supposed to brush them. So I have a text box on that. Living in Asia for seven years, I have a text box on lemongrass, how to use it, how to prepare it, and kefir lime leaves, which are just a spectacular flavor. Um, and then I just take it down even to very basic things that are called for in various recipes, like whipping egg whites. There's sort of a perfect way to do that. And 
I've done it so many times that I wanted to share this. So I consider this book my way of reaching out not only with my recipes and the knowledge of calories and my concern for the you know health and well-being of people who cook, but also to teach them something uh, in the kitchen. Which well, that's useful. I'm, I'm always thrilled when I when I learn a new technique, and the biggest one that um, I I consider my little bonus in this book is um, is how to how to get the pulp out of a mango, and you're not going to believe it, but you use a highball glass, and I learned that in really? the Philippines. Yes, you cut it in half as close as possible to the pit. You hold the half in your hand and you scoop it out with a highball glass. It is a perfect mango half. Really? Because I, yeah. I love mangoes. I love mangoes. I do too. It's and my favorite fruit. peeling them and trying to deal oh, with the pit no. is a nightmare. And because they're also, you know, uh, I hate to use this word. It, it sounds awful, but slimy in the way that they're, they're slippery. Okay? Right, but exactly. But they're so delicious. So they slip into oh. the glass. And then you wonder how, like, well, in, you know, when you get that, one of my favorite all-time desserts is sticky, mango sticky rice. Oh, I always I order it if it's on the mango. <laughs> so I love that dessert. Oh, oh I, I could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But you know how to get that perfect mango half that then they make into a little pretty porcupine? Yeah, it's, it's so pretty, kind of technique. But how do they do it? Yeah. I look yeah, at this and, and I so, think, oh my gosh, should they go to school for this? No, <laughs> this is why one of my <laughs> one of my housekeepers in the Philippines taught me this, where they have beautiful mangoes. Um, but these are the things that I bring from my travels, my experiences, um, you know, to the book. And, and I think that's one, that's one thing that separates it from a lot of other books out there. Um, and I, I hope that readers are, um, as, as thrilled with the tips that I give them, you know, as I was sort of learning them as I stumbled along in the kitchen. Well, they're empowering. So now you're not afraid to add leeks to other recipes or, or exactly. experiment with, let's say, mango, because now you know how to peel it. Now you're more comfortable with using lemongrass because you know you, right. how to use it, how to prep it, whatever's right. involved. Once you're empowered with that knowledge, you take it forward. Exactly. And it, it goes to grilled foods. How do you, how do you, how do you do like chicken? I do a lot of grilled chicken on skewers, like rosemary, smoked paprika chicken, which is to die for. But you know, you have to put it correctly on the skewer in order for it to grill evenly. So I give that kind of a tip. Um, and, um, and then just something as basic as making picture perfect muffins. You know, how do, how come those muffins in cookbooks look so good and mine don't? Well, I'm going to tell you why. And you're going to do it, and they're going to look amazing. And you can Instagram it if you want. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be great? Especially if you're having, you know, a brunch or something. Or, yeah. you know, for your child's class, you don't want to be the mom with the ugly right. muffins. <laughs> right. So you just right. take a little bit of the nut or the little bit of the blueberry or whatever out, you know, put some on the side, and then just gently put them on the top before you bake them. And they bake right around it, and they look beautiful every time. Isn't that cranberries, excellent? you know, if you're doing, uh, you know, um, dried cranberries, the same thing applies. Um, so it's just things like that, that, you know, and, and coleslaw, wonderful alternative to salad every night. Um, how to, how to make perfect coleslaw. And there are a couple tips, you know, you want to salt it always at the last minute because the salt draws the water out of the, out of the cabbage and it gets wilted very quickly. Um, you can throw in, um, you know, I, I use the shredded carrots that you buy in the grocery store. Literally, it takes me exactly 10 minutes to make coleslaw. I wow. use the bag coleslaw, 
the bag carrots, if I'm feeling, you know, like I have two minutes, I'll chop up some celery, which I always have in my fridge. And then the dressing is um, with a handheld blender, which I can't recommend everyone should, which it's, I can't recommend it enough. Everyone should own one for smoothies, for dressings, but you just get the ingredients together, whip it up, and you're done. And it's a handheld blender, you're saying? It's a handheld blender, yeah. They, um, the ones you, you emerge know, into. Exactly. Liquid. It's oh, also okay. called an immersion blender. And you just need the cheap, you know, Cuisinart. I have one. They're great. 29, yeah. They're, they're phenomenal. I use it every day, I think, um, when I make dressings. You know, you, if you emulsify, like, my classic red wine vinaigrette or the balsamic, when you emulsify it, with the, uh, the, the, the mustard is what's emulsifying with the oil, then it looks beautiful in the fridge. It's not, it doesn't separate. So every time oh, you go to use okay. it for the rest of the week, you've got this wonderful, um, you know, rich sort of uh, thick dressing that's not oil and vinegar. It's oil mixed with vinegar. And you make it yourself. You don't have to have all these bottles of different dressings no, in the no, fridge. No. Oh, I won't buy, I won't buy dressings. I, I even make my own blue cheese. I don't have a recipe for it in the book, but just take a little bit of blue cheese some oil, maybe a little bit of vinegar or lemon juice and a bit of milk if you want and just whip it up with really? a handheld blender. Now, did you, and, did, I, did I hear you right? Did you say vinegar? Yeah, just a tiny bit. I had so no I, idea that was in there. Well, this is what I do. I mean, it's just, you just have to, you know, think outside the box. Okay, I have a little piece of blue cheese. Instead of crumbling it on, I'm just going to put it in the immersion blender. I'm going to throw in, let's take a tablespoon of vinegar, salt, or maybe not salt because it's cheese. Go easy on salt. Um, pepper, um, some, you want maybe, if you want a lighter oil to taste the cheese, use a canola or a safflower or something like that. Um, if you want that robust olive oil, then put a little bit of that in and do it to the desired consistency. And you can always thin with water, which is a great calorie saver um, because you're using less fat. Right. It's not going to be as thick as a oil-based uh, is a predominantly oil-based dressing, but it will be just as delicious. Or if you're doing a creamy dressing, you can thin with a little bit of skim milk. Okay, so you could use water instead of the oil, or you could use a little bit of um, skim milk if you want to have it more creamy. Absolutely. Wow, and the other right. thing, yeah. I wouldn't have thought thing, of water and blue cheese. I, I just would not have. You, But you're talking about tip. consistency here. I mean, right. water adds no flavor, so... You want to cut back on some of the fat, and you don't need to, you know, you can always crumble more blue cheese on top of the dressing. But let's say you want, you even have an iceberg. I don't know. For some reason, iceberg lettuce, it seems right with blue cheese, you know, <laughs> the classic. <laughs> yeah. So you just drizzle it on top, but you don't want necessarily a super chunky dressing on there because you might have chunks of blue cheese that you add or uh, radishes would be nice with that. Um, and they're so good for you. Radishes oh, are yeah, I love so radish. good for you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's nice when it's good for you and it tastes good and you're creating something and you've got this fabulous dressing you can add to it and cut back on the calories because that's a bit of a guilt right there. The blue cheese, a lot of cheese, you know, people eat a lot of cheese, but you can really enjoy it in a dressing. And yeah. as you said, when you could add water, you just empowered me. Yeah, absolutely. And then when uh, I was doing a photo shoot the other day for NBC and um, – you know, I just had to have everything prepped. And so uh, everyone, the crew, was just amazed at how how far in advance you can prep things. And it's true. You know, I just would take herbs that were washed and cleaned out of my refrigerator and use scissors. I didn't have time to wash a chopping board and a knife. Just use scissors and cut 
parsley, dill, chives, cilantro right into the dish. And See, then just rinse great. off the scissors and you're done. So you don't have to, okay, let's clear the area. I'm coming in like a plane landing on the airstrip, right? It's so true. Okay, everyone back away. I'm coming in. I don't know how complicated or messy this is going to get. And it doesn't have to be because that's intimidation right there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know what What drives me crazy is cleanup. Well, <laughs> to too. be honest, it's, it can be look like a bomb. And that's that's what I think about when, and I write this in the book, when I develop my recipes and I test them and I, I, I perfect them, I'm thinking about how many dishes and pots and pans and spatulas and whisks are in the sink. And it's true. No one, that no one likes to be faced with that. No matter how good the meal is, you know, it's just not, not a fun thing. So, you know, there, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll recommend, I'll try, I try to minimize first of all, how much, how much of the utensils I use, but I have a wonderful equipment section because um, you don't need a lot of equipment to cook really good food either. That's a misnomer. You know, uh, you just need some basics. One. Yeah, they figure you got to go over to William Sonoma and start buying stuff. Or no, whatever. no, one no. Of your, one of the, you know, culinary stores and think, okay, um, I have to have this, this, and this in order to create this dish. And that stops you right there. That can right. stop a lot of people right there in their tracks from making something. Exactly, exactly. And the one thing we didn't bring up, too, is um, so when I go add a recipe, obviously, the first thing, it has to be inspiring for me to to make this recipe. And a lot of, you'll see a lot of my, uh, for instance, rice. I was always terrified of cooking rice until I took two years of Indian cooking lessons, and now rice is my friend. Um, oh, okay. It's a difficult it to the, thing to, to master, I would imagine. It is. And if you just become friends with it, it sort of falls into place. Um, and, you know, forget all the, you know, exact measuring because that will drive you crazy because not every grain of rice absorbs the same amount, same amount of water. So you have to, like, get to know your rice. But anyway, I love basmati rice. And I have an aromatic basmati. I have a minty basmati with potatoes. I have a lemony basmati. These are all incredibly delicious side dishes. So when I, when I go at it, first I'm inspired. Then I think, okay, nutritional value, what are we looking at here? Let's not add too much fat to this. Let's get some flavor in there. Um, and then, you know, how much do people have the equipment to make this? Yes, they do. What else can I tell them about it? How to, and I do a how-to on basmati rice because if you soak it, you don't cook it as much. You always want to rinse it. It's full of starch. How do you buy it? Where does it come from? What should you look for when you buy it? What are the different grades of basmati? You might not need all this information, but when there are 20 different brands looking at you, looking back at you at the grocery store, you get confused. It is confusing. So, it is. Yeah. And that was a great tip on rinsing, by the way, getting the starch out. That's a wonderful tip. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, how, how, did, how do people enjoy it? And so those are, that's how I sort of formulate these recipes. Then I do the nutritional breakdown. Elaine reviews it, um, and we decide, okay, this looks good. Um, and also I'll mention that we do have a special place for people with diabetes in these recipes because we give carb choices and we give diabetic exchanges for every recipe in the book on our website. We're very diabetic friendly. Elaine and I did discuss that. Um, and that's very important to know and beyond diabetes. And of course this show is choosing the balanced life with diabetes, but beyond that, there's a lot of people that do carb count. 
that are not diabetic that want to be wary. Maybe they're even borderline or they just want to know how much carbs they're taking in because that really, at the end of the day, is your sugar levels. Absolutely. And so they want to be wary of that. Exactly. And, you know, there are so many hidden sugars and so many hidden carbs in the foods that we eat, which is why we have to go back to whole foods. And that's definitely something that I I push. And I don't use processed foods. I don't eat processed foods as much as possible. Um, And when you go to the grocery store, stay away from the, I mean, you've heard all of this. I'm not, I sound like a broken record, but stay away from the middle aisles where all of that stuff lives, you know, Focus on the periphery where you have your fresh produce, your meats, your seafood, and, um, you know, even frozen foods can be a wonderful asset in the kitchen because, boom, you've got some vegetables. If you want to do a stir fry and you don't have time to cook, please, by all means, open a bag of vegetables. Even Trader Joe's has, you know, pre sort of, uh, well, they have stir fry vegetables in a bag that are designated for stir fry. Right, and you um, can fry those up, and then you've got something right. a little healthier. And mix it with some rice. And that's the other thing that's so that that this NBC crew was so amazed at is really advanced prep. What can you do in advance? Well, you can do more than you think in advance. You know, um, Ina Garten just has this brand new cookbook, Make It Ahead, and that's what we're all about here too. Is is how can you have these things in your fridge so at five o'clock meltdown, if you have kids. Or seven o'clock um, hunger, you know, famine when you have when you come home from work. How do you? What do you reach for in the in your fridge? If you have stuff that's ready to go because you made it on Sunday night, you're golden. You know, you're you're just you're feeling good because you've got this leftover bit of basmati rice and you see a little bit of um, you know whatever you. I mean, it can be just some vegetables on top of that basmati Famous. rice. Famous, famous thing to say is being starving. Okay, you're starving. As you said, come home from work. You open the fridge. There's nothing to eat. There's the, there's the words. There's words right there that come to haunt me. There's nothing to eat. It's because <laughs> nothing is ready to eat. Exactly. The fridge could be full, but unless exactly. you have things ready available to grab and put in your mouth when you're that hungry, that'll go, you'll go out the front door and get pizza or something. Rather or than you'll, pull, yeah. Right? Or you'll I reach mean, for the crackers. The or nuts, anything, which cookies. Are all fine. But then you go for those Potato chips. chips. Yeah. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> anything. Get me food exactly. now. <laughs> exactly. And then you forget that you ate that and that becomes 300 extra calories that's on top of your dinner. Yeah, that was a warm-up. Yeah, Exactly. So I, uh, the way I deal with that is I always have um, baby carrots and celery sticks in the fridge. And it gets boring sometimes. And uh, radishes, too. I love radishes. So it gets boring, but there's always a container of those. Um, I do reach for the nuts because I love nuts. And I think they're healthy and we should reach for the nuts. But then I have to think to myself, okay, I've got to subtract that calorie from my dinner if I'm going to – you know, if, if I'm going to stay on track here. Because even if you're slim, and I'm slim – you still have, I'm 50 and I have to maintain my weight. I'm not, I'll be honest, uh, the world can know I do not enjoy exercise every day. I'm not an exercise person. I do yoga and I meditate every day. Which are all good things. They're all good things. They're good things, but they're not cardio. So I'm not really burning and building muscle and, you know, muscle burns more calories than fat. So in order to stay true to myself, and to walk the talk, I try to run a little jog um, three times a week. And I sort of make that deal with myself. And that's the other thing about this book is 
what the message is in my introduction is invest in yourself, invest in your health, because if you don't have that, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, and that's, so, that's, we forget about that. I think hum, human beings forget that that is our greatest gift is our health. Exactly. Exactly. And it's something that, um, and, and you know, the, the other thing that I love, and this maybe goes back to a lot of time spent meditating and learning how to meditate, is compassion starts with yourself. And when you're compassionate to yourself by saying, I'm okay, you know, I, I, I'm, everything is going to be okay, then you can move forward. You're in a good spot to move forward. Um, but you really have to find a peaceful spot before you start dieting, before you make these lifestyle changes, because otherwise they're not going to be sustainable. But if and they you won't go, be. And they, yeah, they won't you, be. I, I've yeah, heard if this you so go into times. it with in a good spot and you just go into it very slowly, steadily, with purpose and with compassion for yourself, you're going to see results. It's funny um, when you, that is so, 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 so true. I hear so often from people, I'm a bad diabetic or I'm bad because yes. I ate this or I'm yeah. bad because I'm, I'm fat. And I hate that word, by the way. I hate the word fat in when we were describing um, someone because it's, a, it's just negativity all over the place yeah. and people beat themselves up. And when I hear this description that they're giving me of themselves. Yeah. I think you are a bully to yourself. Exactly. Right. A bully exactly. pulls you down. So if you are going to pull yourself down, I don't know why we're talking. Yeah. Right. Cause that's and not who I'm seeing. I'm not seeing there's this enough horrible out there person. to pull you down. I mean, you're yeah. going to get pulled down right, left and center. So, you know, it's really, it's, um, it's, it's investing in yourself and then com committing to yourself. And that's something that's very, very difficult as a mother, for instance, uh, for me. I will put my family above myself. My husband's an exercise-holic. Um, if he needs to exercise, it's a great excuse for me not to, you know. <laughs> okay, I'll cook dinner. You go exercise for both of us. <laughs> Somebody needs to cook dinner. That's me. <laughs> but we do put you know? ourselves in the back burner. A we absolutely the yeah. do. And yeah. it's... It's something that's, I think, innate to being a mother. I think um, it's something that's what keeps the, keeps the species alive at the end of the day. But I think also there's a time to prioritize yourself, and it's not when your health is going downhill. It's before that time. Yeah, and you, that's when you absolutely. have to take inventory, make your personal goals, and really commit and, and, and find compassion with yourself along the way because, you know, that's, that's the only way to, to even reach your goal. And you might never reach your goal, but if you stay focused on it and you take baby steps towards it, you'll find so many other goals that you're reaching. Well, I think baby steps is the, is the key there too. And your book really helps people build some f solid foundations and becoming aware of, you know, what they're eating being, being able to create something delicious that's healthy and making it simple. And then the exercise component. So being mindful of what you're eating and also in your activity, what it may take when you're overeating to burn it off and being realistic about that and having right. some balance in there because a lot of people just don't, they, they don't get it or, you know, they don't, they're not used to it. They're not aware. This brings some empowerment into the equation. 
So I think it's a it great tool, does. a really it good tool. It certainly does. And it's not, it's not meant, this book isn't meant to make you feel guilty. It's not meant to, it's not, I don't have the answers. I'm not pretending to have the answers. All I know is that I have some tools that are effective for me. So why not share them? Oh, absolutely. And that's what it's all about. It's not, because my tools might not work for you. But if you can take a couple of my recipes, maybe make 50 of them out of 200, something that your family enjoys over and over and over again, like the chicken burgers with ricotta, sun-dried tomato, and zucchini, uh, you know, Ooh, everyone I know loves those things. And it's something that it's a fallback, and you can make them in advance. You can freeze them. You'll discover some, you don't need a bun. Um, oh, and, and even so better. <laughs> so when you're, when I'm talking about investing yourself, I'm talking about not only getting out there and, and, you know, doing what you enjoy doing, whether it's cycling or, or doing hot yoga or whatever it is, but also to take that into the kitchen and say, this is my body, this is my temple, and I'm, I have control over what goes in it, and I have control over the outcome, and that's better health. And I think as soon as you're empowered with that, your whole life will change. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I love the tips. Absolutely love the tips. Now, I'm going to ask you a question about one of your recipes. Yeah. I haven't seen, um, you know, any of your Indian recipes, but I love Indian food. But I have an issue with cumin. Am I saying oh, really? that correctly? Cumin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard it said a couple of different ways, but it's a spice commonly used in Indian food. And lately I've noticed everyone's loving cumin and putting it in everything, which is not a good thing for someone like me who has an allergy to cumin. But I'm drawn to the flavor. I love it. But when I eat it, it's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. So when I've gone uh, and tried, you know, to get some Indian food, and I have not cooked any Indian food, I will freely admit that, although I love to cook, um, what can we replace? Do you give ideas if you have something that, you know, you can add? Is, is cumin that important to an Indian dish? Do, do you give people alternatives in some of the dishes? Yeah, I do. I talk a lot about spices. You'll see it's, it's sort of um, peppered throughout the book. But cumin is a, um, it is a staple in Indian food. It's for sure a staple. So I'm in trouble. Um, I think... <laughs> I think one you you have an allergic reaction to it, but I think you're absolutely right in that it's a very overused spice. And the key the key to cumin is that you have to roast it before you grind it or use it in any dish. If you don't, it has a very bitter flavor. As soon as you roast it, it roasting cumin and coriander and all of those dried spices release the oils, and that's where the flavor is. So when you, before you just, you should never throw curry into your dish. You should always, that should be sauteed with the onions, the curry powder. The, the cumin powder should be sauteed with the onions. And if you notice, McCormick's Spice Line has roasted ground cumin. It's not just cumin now. It's oh. roasted. And that is what brings out the ultimate flavor. So if you have some problem with cumin, no problem. Don't worry about it. You can use a tiny bit of coriander instead. You can substitute with a little bit of coriander and cinnamon, ground cinnamon. And you um, really should roast them, right? A lot, should the cinnamon be roasted in with that too? Well, some, some, you'll see some labels that have roasted cinnamon. If you're, if you're, no, you're, for instance, you can use it in baking. Cinnamon, yeah, if you're going to do a real curry, then, and you're adding cinnamon to it, 
you would roast it with your curry powder. But I, if I were doing it, I would use a cinnamon quill or a stick because okay. it looks so beautiful in the curry. And that you throw in when you're sauteing the onions or the garlic or both or whatever you've got. Oh, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this, I was reading this book before talking to you, and I it's lunchtime too, but my mouth was watering because I relive these dishes every time I read it. And if you love Indian food, you're going to love this book. I promise you. I absolutely promise you. Well, you know, even um, making Indian food kind of intimidates me beyond, first of all, my allergy. Second of all, it just seems that when I've looked at it in the past, because I have an issue when I go out, I have to be very careful. I've found some dishes that they don't add cumin, which was, you know, that was a great thing to, to find out. But I thought, okay, I, I might try making some at home. And it really intimidated me. And yet I love to cook. But I thought, oh, I thought I had to go buy all these special roasting No, pots you know what? And, I, I think I, I have a recipe. Um, I think it's for, um, I'd have to look through the book more carefully, but it is, um, it's a spice blend. And all, whenever you see cumin, just leave it out. That's not a problem. And so the thing that you should do if you really love Indian food and, um, I can, I, I mean, I have a, a whole manuscript for an Indian cookbook that I will write someday. Um, but what, what you can do is make your own garam masala, which is your mix of spices that you would buy, but you wouldn't buy it because every one of them has cumin in it. And that's, but if yeah. you make your own, um, then you have control over the ingredients and you can make a jar of it. And that's what you would add to your, if you're just, it will pep up rice, it will pep up a curry, um, uh, you know, I made a quick shrimp curry the other night and put some in there and, you know, it, I just did, actually, I did that with curry powder, store-bought curry powder, coconut milk, and that was it. Like coconut milk and that was dinner over basmati rice, left over from the NBC photo shoot. <laughs> wow. Okay. That came in handy. <laughs> and, and I keep the rice, I keep more rice, I found more rice in my freezer and I was like, woohoo, this is my lucky night. I don't have to cook rice. <laughs> <laughs> but all these tips really help. As you said, you could put a meal together quite quickly. You know what your calories are. You've made it. You know what's going into it. Um, yeah. And marrying that with the exercise. And, now, yeah. And you have to know what your, well, you know your limit, you know your daily intake, and then you know what you're going to have to burn off if you have dessert or if you drink that glass of wine or whatever, you, or the beer or whatever it is you're drinking. Um, one thing that I also, it, for my own sake, one thing that I did, uh, with this book and the recipes is I gave calorie combos, which I thought was quite brilliant because, okay, so you have this dish, you know, how many calories are in it? What do you do with that information? I need a 500 calorie meal. How do I create that? And so I've given you all these options on the side of the recipe that you could pair to get that 500 calorie or less meal. And it's using some other recipes from the book if you just want to create and build meals or using sort of classic side dishes that would go with it, like maybe a store-bought cornbread that would go with um, the chili or maybe, um, you know, a piece of pita bread that might go with a butter chicken or a piece of naan that would go with a butter chicken. So you don't have to go and find out all that calorie information on pita or naan or pompadums or something that you might pair with your curry or your butter chicken because I've given it to you right there. And that's handy. I mean, otherwise it just gets to be a lot. It gets to be a lot. And if yeah. you're, if you're trying to keep your meals at 500 calories or less, 
then this is a perfect tool. And if you have kids that, you know, teens that will have a full dinner and then have a bowl of cereal, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, it's a then, great dessert. <laughs> <laughs> it's another meal. It's not one bowl. It like keeps getting refilled. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, it's, it, it does help them be aware though, too, because it's the whole family that can embrace this, which I think is important. Yeah. And if, you know, your kid doesn't like quinoa, okay, no problem. Here's your pasta. But you can make the quinoa for yourself because you know that it has less calories than pasta. And some protein. And less carbs. And right. protein, yeah, exactly. And adding so that you have, is so important. And it, you know that half a cup is what you should be eating. Um, so, you know, I use that part. I use that aspect a lot, actually. I use it more than I thought I would. Um, then there are calorie cuts. Okay, so you're making the banana bread. And you'd really, I mean, it's delicious. My son, 15-year-old son, can make it. That's how easy it is. But um, you don't want that extra calorie because this is going to really be your snack at work at 10 o'clock every morning. So take out the nuts. There, and I tell yeah. you, yeah, how and, many calories you save and, you know, or the mini chocolate cupcakes. You know, most cupcake recipes have 12 tablespoons of butter in them. 12 tablespoons. So I've taken... 12 tablespoons? I that's haven't the made average, them. 10 to 12. I have not eaten a cupcake or made one in quite some time. So, <laughs> so now I know why I haven't. But oh, I love cupcakes, but I only eat homemade. And so you take that out, and what do you put in there? You put a beet puree, oh. and you you don't taste it, you don't miss the butter, and it's this moist, delicious thing. And you've gotten some beets. And yeah, I mean that's your bonus. You know. That's your bone. You know, you can, you've gotten a veggie in there, but, you know, it's like calling ketchup a veggie. Well, you know, this is your splurge. It's, right, uh, right. you know, it's just a wonderful guilt-free splurge. Wow. Made healthy. Isn't that something? Well, that is a, that is a huge difference. I mean, if you're going to eat a cupcake and you make them yourself, but at <laughs> least I had no idea that had that much. Um, I have not yeah. made them in so long. Um, I have alternatives again like yourself, uh, to making healthy versions of things, you know, oh, chocolate yeah. pudding with avocado, which was in a previous show. And I haven't looked back since. Right, right. right. And as soon as you embrace that, and I tried when I was doing this particular recipe, I had, I was trying to get an all natural red velvet cupcake for another project I was doing. So I did canned beets, I did fresh beets, I just was doing a beets and chocolate for today. Now you I don't know what people say, but you will never get the true red velvet without the red dye. That's just, if it has, if it's really red, it's got dye in it because I've tried every method of beet preparation possible. But then this is a chocolate cupcake. Who cares whether it's red? I you was know, gonna, all, what is it? I have to ask. I'm going to sound silly. Okay. <laughs> but I hear, oh, it's red velvet. Oh my goodness. I made red velvet. I think, well, isn't that marvelous? What the heck is that? It's what food is the coloring. big so all this fuss over food coloring added to something? It's added to basically a um, a white cake with varying amounts of cocoa powder that's added to the cake. So it's really a um, it's a chocolate. You, you, it's a very it's a it's more complex than just a white cake because you've got the you've got the hints of cocoa, and then you've got this this dye. This and it's massive amounts of food coloring. I mean, I was seeing like you know a tablespoon or two tablespoons of of red dye, and I tried it with an all natural dye too. It doesn't make it red, but why do you want that in your system? Well, For what? what? What's the big deal? This is the part that I'm at. Like, so really, the the component 
of it being red is not real. It's just a color versus adding is, the cocoa yeah. into this yeah. white cake. And it's, you know, I mean, people, it does look beautiful in a photo. I agree. It does. And people are just, I know it's, 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 it's sort of a quintessential American thing and I get it and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bash it. I'm just saying if it has red dye in it, I probably won't eat it because it's not, it's not my thing. And I've made this deal with myself. I've invested in myself where I'm not eating stuff that's loaded with food coloring. I'm not going to eat a blue popsicle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kiss the blue now. Come on. <laughs> but no, exactly. I, I hear what you're saying, but I had to ask that because there's all this talk about red velvet, red velvet, red velvet. It sounds very pretty. I expect this little gift to come out, you know, when I see people yeah. ordering it. But um, really, I'm glad you, I asked, I'm glad you gave me that answer that it's about the food coloring. Yeah. And basically, and, you if you're going to really get down to it, it's about food coloring. Yeah, it is. And I, and, and so what do, what do you, how do you do a stunning dessert that's short of red velvet? I have an, a brilliant orange chiffon cake that people go gaga over with an orange um, glaze. And I, it's one of my absolute favorite desserts. And it's so light, and you have it with some raspberries. And it's just like, wow, I don't want frosting. I don't want anything. I just want, <laughs> I'll eat this for breakfast. That's the thing. Sometimes my desserts are so good. It's like breakfast. I got to get them out of the house because <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> but they're counting the calories and they're doing the exercise. I know, I know. So you sometimes it is breakfast. <laughs> it could be breakfast, but then that's, that's my calorie. for bre- That's my breakfast calorie. Um, and I'm not saying I don't eat, you know, I, I love, I love good food. I love, I love pie for breakfast. Okay. Um, but that's my breakfast. I won't have it as a, as a dessert on top of two eggs and bacon. Well, and the thing is, from what I'm gathering, if it's made in a healthy way, really, is it traditional dessert? You're calling it dessert, but you could have it for breakfast. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you can do it with, um, well, the reason I make so much banana bread for my son is that's what he eats for breakfast. I mean, he, he's, not, he's running around, you know, he he's, gives himself three minutes to eat breakfast. So it has to be something he can grab and go. Um, and so that's, you know, that's like batter my pumpkin bread recipe. It works. And this is the other thing. Food has to work for you. You don't just work for it. It works for you. Well, so exactly. you, you've got to find your balance of what, of what, um, what is time efficient for you, energy efficient, and, um, you know, keep those things as your staples. Um, and then splurge when, you know, when the time is right, uh, do the crisp for Thanksgiving, do, um, wow, the chocolate pots, uh, they're, they're always a hit. And they're 148 calories each for a third a cup of this dark chocolate with, with milk. And it's not cream. You know, most of the, the, the traditional French recipe calls for heavy cream. This is just a beautiful consistency, very silky, silkier than a pudding with whole milk. Oh, and you can even do delicious. skim milk. And you can do skim lactate-free milk, which I did the other day. And it was delicious. It was beautiful. What about almond milk? Absolutely. That's, a, that's good to know if, you, if you're off dairy. That's a really good thing to know. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you're vegan, you know, meeting vegan yeah. or yeah. whatever your situation is, it's nice right. to have choices, right? We're lactose-free in this house. So um, we just, you know, my yogurt's lactose-free. So when I make my yogurt pancakes, I, I use lactose-free. I use lactate milk in all my recipes. Um, and cheese is, the de- cheese is okay. We seem to be able to handle the cheese. Um, but everyone in the family seems to be lactose intolerant. So... 
Um, you know, and you play around with what you what your issues are. Like, come in for you, find a way around it. Right. No, absolutely. Now, I have to switch a little bit and ask you about the exercise portion of the book. So how is this worked in? Well, um, every recipe has a calories out value. And that value is based on a is, is an average um, profile of a man and a woman, and it's a slightly different value for the man and the woman. And it's uh, we only give walking and jogging because those don't require any equipment; they can be done anywhere at any time. Um, and it's really to show you the um, the energy balance equation. So when you look at, when you, you sort of get in the habit of saying, okay, 300 calories is about 30 minutes of brisk walking or 35, 37, 40 minutes of jogging. Um, and so that sort of gets plugged into your brain somewhere. And when you're looking at the calorie values on foods that you're eating out or on, a, on some kind of you know, fast food menu at Starbucks or wherever you are, you might just think twice about that 300 calorie or 350 calorie muffin or yeah. 450 calorie piece of pound bread or 800 calorie Cinnabon. <laughs> Loaded. <laughs> Never mind you might... the sugar that it can do. It can um, put inside you that raises your blood sugar if you're a diabetic and so, you know, even if you're borderline, wow, to work that out, to get rid of that, yeah, I have yeah. to do this. Wow, that's right. a lot. For what? And I, I can't tell you how many times that has stopped food from going into my mouth. Yeah, and I'm no. very grateful. I mean, it just, whoa, you know, the stop sign came up. No, don't put that in your mouth. Um, and that's, you know, that is it, 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 every diet when, okay, all diets work if you follow them, number one. Number two. At the end of the day, diets are based on calories, whether they're profiling carbs or profiling protein or profiling whatever they're, they're all with the breakdown and the reason why you're losing weight is because your body is burning calories, right? Right. So you're at the end of the day, you have to, no matter what diet you're, you're on and your weight loss is either positive or negative, um, you know, you, it's, it's the energy balance. Um, that your body is is engaged in. So if you are putting in the right amount of calories and burning them off, and putting or you're, you're maintaining weight. If you're putting in less calories than you need and you're burning off, then you're losing weight. It is a very helpful tool, I have to say, because it's I hear it so often, so so often. Oh, I'm working out now and I'm really not losing any weight. I don't know why, right. Anita. I've committed to three times the swimming, or I've committed to this, but they have no idea of what they're eating. They think because they've added the um, exercise that everything will just fall into place, and maybe for some people it can be somewhat successful, but. For many people, you have to be aware of what you're eating. And never mind feed our, our bodies, not just eat, but feed our bodies. And That's have a true. good relationship with food, not That's a bad true. one. That's absolutely true. You're and absolutely so th right. This is such a fantastic way of starting, just to get the awareness, to empower yourself, and to get cooking. And I love the tips. I have to say, I, I, I love the tips. And there's so many wonderful recipes. And I like that you've added cocktails to this. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's real I mean, that life, makes as me I said, like, real life, food. real food, real drink. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, people forget about that. And especially when it comes to wine, you'll think about beer, right? Because we say beer belly. So people will think about beer right. and calories, but they yeah. don't think about wine. Or they You're, may well, not think of the margarita as much, right? Yeah, yeah. And they, it's, you know, um, yeah, or the martini and how much these things add up, you know, Um and it's, you know, some people will say, oh, if I want to lose weight, I just will stop drinking wine. Well, that's true. That helps. Um, definitely helps. Um, but I think there's also, it's, the older you get, the more you realize that's not going to be the silver bullet because there is no silver bullet for diet, diet, you know, dieting and there is no silver bullet for exercising. I wish there were. I mean, because, you know, imagine... You can if eat all you want. Easy. You could just sit in front of your desk the whole day or in front of the TV. It doesn't work that way. That's not life. So you have to, you know, decide where your priorities are. If you want to go out and have Mexican food with margaritas, go for it. But you're going to have to, like, pay for it later in terms of burning it off. Well, be aware. Be aware. Yeah, Empower exactly. yourself with, with knowledge and being we're not aware. Saying, we're, it doesn't mean deprivation. It just is a calorie awareness is, is what you said. And then that leads to energy balance that only you have the, the power to maintain. No one can do it for you. So it's really, and this is where we're going right back to the compassion for yourself putting yourself first, making a deal with yourself to put your health first, prioritizing um, yourself on your to-do list. Uh, and then it, it just sort of trickles down into what you eat, what you drink, how much you exercise, you know, and all that. It's, it's just amazing how it, it, the web starts expanding in a healthy way. And, you know, it can be contagious. Uh, so you have the whole family involved, which is a great thing. Like I like their family friendly that you can entertain with the recipes because again, that's important. Right. Right. So that you're not that's... thinking, well, I can't use these recipes. I can only use them for every right. day. Well, no, you can use them whenever. Right. And you can use dieters, chicken skewers, for, you know, your black tie dinner for as, as an appetizer, you know. Which is put great. It on a and, I, I mean, you can make this food look beautiful. You really can, and that's part of it. You eat with your eyes first. Well, if you're entertaining and you have this beautiful food and you know the calories, and now you know how to burn it off with some dancing afterwards, which is fantastic. <laughs> that's my that's kind true. of dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Right? So it's, yes. I'm so glad you joined me today, um, Catherine. Catherine Jones the mastermind, the chef behind Calories In, Calorie Out Cookbook. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope we've inspired just a few people to get into the kitchen. I really hope we have. Just at being aware and getting into the kitchen, moving your body, enjoying your food, and knowing it can be healthy and tasty at the same time. Whether you'd like to lose some weight, manage your blood sugars in a better way, or just have overall good health, this seems to be a great way to get started, looking at how many calories we're taking in, whether you're counting carbs, looking at diabetic exchanges, or just wanting to eat in a healthier way. Some wonderful recipes you can create with some great tips on exercise and really what it would take to burn off some of these calories. The Calorie In, Calorie Out cookbook is available on Amazon, iBooks, Kindle, 
If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at anita at anitacoach.ca and follow me on Twitter at Anita Westlake.